0: This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. And before we get started today, I want to invite you to subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's right. After years of neglecting this very precious real estate on the internet, I am committing to to producing content over there. The easiest way to find me over on YouTube is go to my website, MrProductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, Productivity.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll see the YouTube logo there. Just click it and subscribe and you will get exclusive content that I'm going to be putting on the YouTube. John Dijkstra owns a large portfolio of passive income content websites across several sectors that earns six figures per month by publishing evergreen content on earning passive revenue from display ads. Fatstacks is where he talks and writes about growing a fun passive income website portfolio. John, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks a lot, Mark. Really really good to be here. Appreciate it.
0: I uh Fatstacks uh, <laughs> that's a name that once you hear it, you can never forget it. I mean, I just have all kinds of images in my head right now.
1: Well, that means it's a good name for a site like this. And <laughs> so, yeah, when I when I came up with it and realized it was available, I was very happy. And yeah, it's worked out. It's nicely brandable. It's succinct, gets the point across, and you do remember it.
0: So how did you come up with that name? I mean, was it something you sat down with a team or were you inspired by something else and it just popped in your head?
1: Uh, Well, uh, I mean, I knew what the site was going to be about. It was going to be about me talking about building up niche sites as a a business model. So it's obviously about building a business, making money. And uh, actually, uh, it's been a few years. I, I believe my wife actually came up with it. But anyways, we we, we bounce ideas around together on naming these things. And I think she actually came up with it. So I credit her. And uh, I mean, right away, it was like, this is perfect. We're going with it. And uh, it, it's been a good pick ever since for sure.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, we're going to talk about passive income, because that's a good thing to have passive income. But not only do you talk about building passive income online, but you talk about it making it fun on niche sites or niche or niche, depending on part of the world you are you are in so i know a lot of people when they hear passive income they don't understand that there is some work involved you just can't like it's not a hope and a dream so walk us through what is your version of passive income with these niche sites
1: yeah you're right i mean it's not 100% but it it's close and and what that means is i'm able to set up a site and get people working on it and plan it out for the long run. And then it doesn't require 40 hours of my time per week. So basically I just have to supervise that site, which frees me up to then do another site or, you know, look at ways to grow that existing site in, in other directions. So, you know, it's all about, trying to set something up, put in the systems and a, and a workflow so that it can more or less grow or maintain. At some point, a lot of sites, you're just happy to maintain them. And they can do that without a whole lot of my intervention or effort. So that's what I do. And websites really allow you to do this because a lot of the traffic that you can get for a new site if you set it up properly it becomes a consistent, recurring traffic source, and traffic is revenue, basically, when you're talking about websites. And so, if you can get your traffic going and growing, or maintaining, uh, without having to deal with it, then then you've created a passive income or revenue from that. And the the reason I mention it's fun is because niche sites allow you to really choose. A topic that interests you. I often, often, people ask me, well, what niche should I go into? And my first response is, well, what interests you? Or what do you have experience in? Or what, what expertise do you have? And that is often going to be the best thing to do. Don't just choose what you think is going to make the most money. In my experience, it, my best sites are generally those that I actually have an interest in and in the topic. Because even though I set these up to run more or less passively in the long run, uh, I tend to be able to do a much better job with them if I'm interested in the topic. I'm gonna, t- I'm, I'm just gonna know the content better. I'm gonna be able to publish better content, and and know what my audience is looking for. So, so that's that's the fun angle is being able to basically be this nonfiction writer publisher on stuff that interests you and turn that into a, a revenue stream. So it's it's great.
0: So the person listening to this conversation right now is gonna say, okay. You're telling me I can create a niche site or a niche site, depending on how you say it, and I can make money, but I don't understand how to go from where I am now. I I work at a corporate job. I have a small business. And what you're saying, John, makes a lot of sense and I'm excited about it, but I don't know how to bridge the gap. So how does someone actually bridge that gap?
1: Okay, well, first step is, unfortunately today, and it's a lot easier than, you know, 12 years ago to actually get a site on the website, just Google it. I use WordPress, most people do in this business, and there's unlimited free tutorials on how to set that up. So, So that should not be a barrier whatsoever. It's very simple. If you can use a mouse, you can set up a website these days. So from there, you know, if you're talking about time restrictions, I'm not going to sugarcoat it to build up a niche site where traffic is high enough that you're actually generating a, a decent amount of revenue from it, um, it. It will take time. These things will take a minimum of 12 months just to st- get the ball rolling. And from there, you know, you're you really looking at 24 to 36 months to get some really good traction in. And again, it's going to depend on how much time you can devote to it. I mean, if you got one hour per week, that's really not enough. You you really got to view this at least as a side hustle, like you would really any business. If you're going to start a local business on the side of a job, well, you, you know, it's going to take more than an hour a week and so does this. It really does. Now, the one exception is if you got a lot of extra money kicking around. Maybe you have a, a great job being a lot of disposable income. A lot of this can be outsourced. And I, I really do usually recommend people get the ball rolling on your own, learn everything about it. And then once you know what you're doing, you'll be able to invest property and hire the right people to take over for you. And, and that would be a way to speed up the process with a job. And And I recognize that I, I think starting any business with, with a job is a very difficult thing to do. And I, I, I did it. I mean, it took it took a few years doing both and it, it worked out. And so, you know, for a lot of people doing this, they jump into this, not looking at it as a way to quit their job or do something, you know, a whole new career, but maybe just some side income, maybe, maybe something to help buy a car or something. And, it, and it's on a topic that they're fun with and they, and they treat it more like a hobby. And that's that's a totally acceptable approach as well.
0: So what can people sell on their website? Okay, so we go get the website, we get the domain, we build the website, or we outsource it, it's live, and you know you blog on some of your websites, but where does the money come from?
1: <laughs> Great question. Okay, well, so the, I, I think it, when you're talking about niche sites, there's going to be three different options you have to what we call monetize a site. So we're talking about creating revenue from a website Monetization is the is the jargon. So, three options. One would be, well, you can actually sell stuff. You can be what's called a create an e commerce niche site, and uh, a lot of people start with drop shipping. So they'll they'll establish a relationship maybe with some um, wholesaler of single serve coffee machines or something like that and get their hands on that and they'll have a relationship. They generate sales on the site and usually the wholesaler will ship it from there and you get, you know, you pocket the difference between what you had to pay and what you sell it for. Okay, so so there's that. You're selling the goods. Um, obviously, if you if you make your own stuff and you can sell it directly, that that can be very good as well. So that's an e-commerce angle. I do not do e-commerce at all. Okay, so the other option is what's called affiliate marketing. Now, there are, there are pr- pretty much most major merchants, uh, and pretty much most any merchants online these days have what's called an affiliate program, and that means they will partner up with a publisher or a YouTube uh, channel creator or whoever has an audience and traffic. And if you refer people through a link, which is a special affiliate link that they'll provide you, it's all it's all very simple uh, and and y- you know pretty much hands free. This they'll, they'll provide you that information. Hey. You listening
0: to the Mark Duchowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Duchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter and you can sign up right now by going to mrproductivity.com. M I S T E R mrproductivity.com.
1: Your visitors will click those links. And if it's, if they, if they buy something, you're credited with a referral. And so you'll get a commission and commissions can range anywhere from 2% up to 50% and really depends what you're selling and what you're referring. Software tends to have a fairly high commission. Physical products like appliances and furniture tend to have a much lower commission. So it all really depends. Um, Probably the most popular affiliate program would be amazon.com. They have tens of thousands of affiliates. You just sign up and you can be an affiliate and you send people to Amazon. If they buy anything at Amazon, you'll get a percentage. It's a pretty low percentage but it can add up. I mean, think about it. You sell a $1,500 couch, even though it's, I think it's 3%, you know, that's a, that's a sizable commission. So there's that. And then lastly, there are display ads. And I do do some affiliate marketing. It's a, it's a, somewhat sizable portion of my business, but the majority of my revenue is off display ads. And display ads, essentially, you go to most sites these days, you're going to see banner ads on the site, in the content, in the sidebar, above, below, and everywhere. And that's my primary way of monetizing my websites. And and the reason I do that and go with the ads route rather than focusing on affiliate is it gives me a lot of latitude what I can publish about. So Affiliate marketing works best when there's a lot of buyer intent behind people coming to your site, like a, like a review site, you know, sneaker review site. That would be great for affiliate stuff. But if you have an article like a how-to article or tutorial or you're providing background or historical information on a particular topic, maybe you're you're a history buff and you have this history in each site, there's not really much you can sell there. But you can publish a lot of cool information that other people are going to enjoy. And really, the only way you have to monetize that is with display ads. And so because I prefer to publish informational content rather than really commercial content, I go the ad route. And you know, once, once you have traffic, there'll be ad networks out there. They'll be happy to work with you and get their ads on your site. And they send you the check or the wire or the PayPal payment once a month. So, so those are your options. That's how it's done.
0: How does your display ads monetization get affected by all the ad blockers that are being added to mobile and on the website now?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think in some niches, it's probably a bigger problem, but I tend to be in a lot of niches. I I really don't think it's a problem. I mean, I remember when they first started coming out and that was already a few years ago. And yeah, I I was, I guess, somewhat concerned thinking, you know, I'm going to have a major revenue hit, but Ever since then, my revenue's just gone up and up and up. So I've I've noticed no difference. That's not to say that a lot of my visitors don't have ad blockers. I'm sure they do, but I, I haven't noticed it in terms of revenue. Revenue's just gone up and up. So I don't really concern myself about it. I don't deploy any tech or any any methods to try to keep those people off the site or turn turn off the ad blockers to visit. I don't do any of that. I just. You know what if you show show up with it well there's there's nothing I can do. I find most people don't use them unless you're in certain niches. I suspect you know like uh niches that are maybe high tech geared a lot of those visitors might have it just because they're familiar with using this stuff and turning it on but I think your your general web browser or surfer person is just not really going to be taking the time to put the stuff on there. I, I, I know how to use it. I, I'm not actually really interested. I don't, I don't think it really enhances uh, user experience anyway. So
0: that's interesting. I think uh, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I believe most people use the default apps on their phones and their computers. Just because most people don't, you know, what's an app store? How do I download it? It's you know, I do it because I'm a nerd like that. I I have a third party apps and uh, one of my my favorite browser on iOS is Safari because they've got this thing called Reader View. And I, I have a vision problem, so I only see it out of one eye. And so a lot of websites, I can't see the font because they have all these ads on there. Your ads, John. And <laughs> what I do is I immediately hit the reader view, which makes it blows it up to like a font. I can read it and gets rid of all the, the banner ads on the side. But to your point, most people... Don't even know this feature exists. And so I'll see them look at their phone. They're squinting. I'm like, you know, you can make that font larger. And I'm like, really? And I show them, but they don't know. So I think most people are just by default, they set themselves and accept the default apps and settings on their devices.
1: Yeah, and, and you bring up an interesting point about font size. Actually, in the last year or so, I've I've made an effort to increase font size quite a bit on my sites on all devices, especially mobile. I, I too, uh, I find way too many sites of far too small a font on mobile, and and interestingly enough, uh, ad revenue does go up with larger font because it creates more real estate. But that that's not the primary motive here. I I you know I I run my sites the way. I like sites to be run as just a Joe Blow visitor to other sites. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I go to sites and it's like, they have a big font on mobile. Oh, that's, that's actually really nice. I don't have to hold it up close for my face. I can comfortably read it. So so font size is important. And, you know, back to the ad blocker thing, I've actually used them. I tried them out. I, ac- I actually find them a, a, a bit annoying just because you get these a lot of gaps uh, throughout the website. And, uh, I almost find, I almost get this feeling like I'm missing something. Like, is there something that's not showing up that I should see now? I mean, logically I know while well, I'm just missing an ad, so it's nothing. So it's not a big deal, but I just don't like that feeling. But I mean, I totally get the, that some people would just prefer to use them.
0: What really annoys me is Someone made a decision that, you know, would be really cool to have a font, a font size of 10 with a medium gray and a white background. I'm like, that's great <laughs> if you're like 13 and you can see that stuff. Right. For most of us, we can't see it. So one of the things on Safari they allow you to do is you can actually increase the zoom when you go to a Web page. So you just go type the double A and you hit like goes to one 10 to 120 percent, because if you if I can't read your font. I'm not going to, well, maybe I'll check it out later when I'm back at my main computer. I'm just going to go to another website. And so if you are listening to this and and you're thinking about creating a website and doing something that John's doing, make sure you make it really easy on the visitor because if they can't read it, if it if it's the colors are off, like if for some reason you have white, uh, yellow font and a pink background, you may think it's cute. But most people won't be able to read it, and they're going to bounce. And so, if you really want your website to convert, you got to make it pleasant on the eyes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, user experience is important in this business, and that, and that doesn't mean you have to spend a fortune on design. Most of the the default what we call WordPress themes that create the actual design on these sites, and and this stuff is all available, and you don't need to know to code to use them. But most of them, I mean, I I'm I just white background. Fairly dark text, large text. I mean, I think I'm up to like 20, 20 pixels on on all devices now. It's nice and large, and um, a lot of a lot of line space too. I don't like text all smashed together, so it's hard to read. Short paragraphs, and and these are just really simple things that you can do with literally a few clicks of the mouse in the in the theme settings to set up your site to just make a much better user experience on your site, and people will stay there much longer and they'll come back and it is it is really important and it takes only a few minutes to set this stuff up
0: now other than what you've already gave us on the show already what are some other mistakes people make when they dive into the things that you teach does your to-do list have you overwhelmed when you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com.
1: Oh, well definitely I think I think a lot of people just getting started is they spend way too much time and perhaps money on the actual design of their website. They think, well, I, you know, I'm going to need a custom design. I'm going to need a really expensive logo. I'm going to hire this graphic designer and this website designer, and they quoted me five thousand. And I'm going to give it to them because this is going to be a huge success. And then they're going to spend umpteen weeks trying to figure it out themselves and making their own changes. That is, none of that is necessary. Okay, I still don't do that for any of my sites. Ever, I literally put in a WordPress theme on the site, and I use I basically use two different ones now, and they're very similar. I go with most of the default settings, except for that font change and and a few little layout differences for the individual content, and that's it. And it costs me nothing except the cost of the WordPress theme, which is under a hundred bucks, and I can use it on as many websites as I want. And that that's all I do. So so do not waste time on any of that. The most important thing you can do if you're going to get into being a niche website publisher, is focus on publishing really good content. Start writing or hire writers or both and get that content out there. It's really, really important because you're not going to go anywhere without it. That, that's the driver of everything. And my default for anything that I do on any given day is focusing on getting better and more content published. That's it. That's the focus. Once you've got a hundred thousand visitors per day, you've got a, you have lots of revenue and, and the luxury to, if you want to spend a ton of money on a, on a custom design, go for it, right? You know, if that helps a little bit, that can make a big difference. But until then, just focus on the content. And you know, if you get started in this and you're, you know, 10 articles in and you're just dreading writing and you, and you just don't like the whole thing, probably not the best side hustle or, or business model to start. This is really a writer. I basically, Get paid to write for a living. I write all day, every day, and that's what I do. And I I also hire writers, but pretty much what I do is writing. And if you, if you hate the writing, maybe look at something else to do, or else look to hire a really good writer to to do that. And you know, but at the same time, I really think you got to like writing.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to share with us today uh, that you think that would help us to make the uh, the right decisions getting
1: into this yeah absolutely content is a massive massive part of this business foundational it's essentially the product we're putting out i think of articles whether they're informational or sales geared as my product that is my product that is what i have to offer and while it's free it monetizes through the a uh, through the ads and so you know, the, the cost to the user of the content product is they got to deal with the ads. Okay. But there's another side of the whole thing. And this, this is probably where you're going to have to spend some time digging around and learning this part of it. And that is choosing the topics you write on. Okay. You have to really gear your topics and the way you publish your content. Toward what people are actually searching in Google. Most of the traffic that most of us get is through Google search. And it is great, free, consistent, long-term traffic. But you really got to make sure that you're serving up your content in a way that it's people actually want to read it, that there's searches, that there's you know thousand people a month searching for this particular topic and then it's worth writing about. but you, you know, the other side of that equation is is that it's not so competitive as well to to in terms of rank. I mean Google only has a few spots at the top three and beyond that you're not getting go a whole lot of traffic. So you know you got to make sure there's there's search interest in the topic. And you also have to make sure that you actually have a reasonable chance of making it to the top three of Google for that topic. And this is just something that takes time to figure out. And, and it also takes publishing quite a bit of content and getting the data to see what's working. So, you know, you, you can't ignore this. I mean, if, if you write an article, let's say you're in the uh, sneaker niche again and you think you're going to rank for the word, um, white sneakers, you know, uh, first month in. It's not going to happen, right? I mean, it's just, it's a huge, great keyword, lots of search volume, but you really have to narrow that down to something sort of like um, um, great white sneakers for walking. Uh, and you, you may want, want to extend it even beyond that so that it's it's targeting a very specific uh, search and, and, and audience that people are going to have a much better chance of getting in the top three or top five with that.
0: Very interesting. I I am beginning to get really big on YouTube. Well, I'm not big yet. I'm really becoming a student of growing my YouTube channel. And one of the things I learned is you don't start with the content. (laughs) And I I learned this on what you start with finding out what people are searching, first of all, because you may think, hey, people want to know about green coffee cups well, if no one's searching for it, your channel's not going to go anywhere. And I think people are, they look at social media and they're like, well, I'm just going to throw spaghetti against the wall and see what happens. And that rarely works. So I am a productivity guy, but why brand my YouTube channel is productivity tips for solopreneurs. I have to niche down because yeah, can I help anybody be more productive? Yes. But if I can niche down, and say I help people who are solopreneurs, that's more what you're talking about. Instead of just saying white sneakers, well, white sneakers for walking or white sneakers for retired people who are walking get really nits down because then your your tribe will be smaller, to use Seth Golden's words. Your tribe will be smaller, but they will be more dedicated to you. So so many people are chasing the metrics. Well, this is hot. This this channel has this many views. Don't worry about them. Because they already have their own traffic. They're already getting enough money. You need to figure out what people are looking for and go after that. And I think people are looking for a shortcut. I really believe that. People want to know, John, tell me what is the one thing I could do, one niche website I can do that launched today and make $100,000 this month. It's not going to happen. It's going to take time. And I think people don't understand that the hard work, the writing the content, that is the shortcut.
1: 100%. And, and it does take a few years to really, you know, first there's learning. You're g- you're going to make mistakes. I'm still making mistakes, but you know, this this isn't surgery. We we can always go back and fix stuff up. Yep. So so that's that's the good news. But you know, you really got to be patient, and, and and you really just got to love. You know, I love the idea of publishing these websites that people use, and I've got small sites, and I've got medium sized sites, and I've got big sites, and 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 I. And I I enjoy working on all of them and you just really have to love the entire process, the, especially the, the creating the content, the, like you say, coming up with the, with the topics and the keywords that's actually going to work rather than just writing for, you know, trying to be clever or clickbaity or something like that. That might work on Instagram or something or Facebook, but you know, that's just a blip of traffic. Social, social media is great. I'm not knocking social media, but that, you know, if something works, it's like a, it's like a 24 hour, you know, spike, and then it's gone. But you know, when you're talking about with search, you search on YouTube, search with Google, search for for websites. This is traffic that can that can come to your site for three, four, five years. I have I have articles I published seven years ago when I first started a site that still get three thousand visitors a month, wow. and and this is seven years. I mean, I mean, it it may have cost. I think I spent maybe three hours writing them, maybe four hours and it's earned, you know, thousands and thousands um, over the years and uh, unfortunately not every article is is that successful <laughs> but you get enough of them and and that's how you that's how you create a successful niche site.
0: You bring up a good point and that's one of the reasons why you know I'm kind of like not prioritizing Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all that because they are like you said 24 to forty hours for Google and YouTube that is like search engine stuff. And I've had videos play that I created three years ago because it's it's a different kind of animal. And I think if you really want success, you got to really learn how to master Google and YouTube because to your point – the article could be served up years later. That's not going to happen on the other social media platforms. So I'm glad you brought that up. So tell us more about, you know, Fat Stacks, where we can go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it's uh, fatstacksblog.com. It's just a site. It's basically almost like a business journal site. I, I talk about this business model in terms of publishing just regular niche sites. Uh, there's a YouTube channel connected with it. And I'm just sharing the updates and what I'm doing uh, every month. Basically, things change, things evolve. Some things work, some things don't. I do experiment with a lot of stuff. I enjoy experimenting. Some stuff fails badly. Some stuff's very successful. And I, I write about this stuff. And I, and at the end of the day, there's really just some real nuts and bolts basics I share that on the blog. I also have a course that really goes in-depth, a lot more in-depth through every step of the entire process. So yeah, that's fatstacksblog.com. I love
0: that name, Fat Stacks. I will never forget (laughs) that name. You could reach out to me in 30 years And you'll say, Mark, remember I was on your show way back in 2021? I'm like, you're the Fat Stacks guy. It's just a name that really pops. I don't have a name like that yet. I'm working on it. So, John, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was an absolute thrill having you here.
1: Hey, thanks a lot, Mark. Yeah, it was great. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchesky podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stuchesky insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free just head on over to mrproductivity.com m-i-s-t-e-r mrproductivity.com